Thanks for listening to the Crosspoint Podcast. This is the Young Adults Ministry of the Franklin Road Baptist Church in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Here we desire to see this generation of young adults reached and revived with the gospel of Christ. We believe our generation has the opportunity to change the world as we know it. We'd love to have you join us on Sundays at 10 a.m. at Franklin Road Baptist Church. Our prayer is that our podcast will help you grow in your relationship with God. Enjoy the Crosspoint Podcast. Where we're going to be today. Um, that is probably one of my favorite songs um, that we sing in Christianity. And so um, we'll actually reference it many times today. Obviously, the title of our series is taken from it. But um, this week, we start a series called Is It Well With My Soul? And um, I'm going to stay pretty close to my notes today. Um, because I firmly believe that this is possibly the most important series that we will ever undertake as a group of young adults. Um, I think that so many times we have doubts about our faith. Um, We struggle with maybe what we're supposed to know and how it impacts us. And so this is, like I said, the most important series that we will ever undergo as a class, which puts a lot of pressure on me as your teacher. Um, So while it may be the most important series in this class, it also may be the deepest, which is not my strong suit, okay? Um, I think that there are going to be moments where it will feel deep and too long, but I can assure you that the next couple of weeks will just be skimming the surface of a topic that is so life-changing. So here's why I say all that. You are going to have to do a lot of the work of application for yourself. Um, You're going to have to let the Holy Spirit speak to you. You're going to have to draw the lines. Now here's what I would say. For some reason, and I don't know if it is just maybe a lack of confidence on my part. I don't know if it's maybe just uh, Satan climbing on my back, but here's what I am learning. We do a lot of talking in Christianity. We do a lot of talking in church. And if we're not careful, the same way that the aspect of teaching in a college classroom does not teach you or make you an expert or change you on a subject is the same way that Christianity and just talking about it also does not do that. Some of you, you've been in some really difficult college classrooms. Some of you will go into really difficult college classrooms, and guess what? If you don't take some time outside of the classroom to make it important and make it valuable in your heart and in your life, or to maybe apply it, then that will not change your life. And here's the sad truth about Christianity is that sometimes we feel like that we've gotten good at it because we can do the actions of it, not because it's necessarily something that has changed us. Sometimes we assume that, well, I showed up to church, so that means I'm a good Christian, or I I took notes, so that means I'm a good Christian. That is really not what makes you a good Christian. What makes you a good Christian is the doing of it. And so you're going to have to be intentional to do that. I refuse to turn this into some sort of counseling session, although I think that it will be applicable to that. I refuse to turn it into something that is um, mind-based and never impacts who we are and why we should live out the Christian life. My calling is simple. It is to show you the Bible 
and to Lord willing to begin to show you how your life can change <coughs> from the inside out. So several months ago, actually not several months ago, I know exactly when it was, January, okay, I pulled out a blank piece of paper like I so often do. <coughs> I have a piece of, um, I have a stack of just blank paper in my desk drawer. And a lot of times my thought process for series and all of that starts out on a blank piece of paper um, in almost a brainstorm fashion. So I pulled it out, put a circle in the middle, and said, how's your soul? How's your soul was the original title, working title of this series. Well, started drawing lines out from it, started drawing some things that I had been reading, some things that God had been bringing across my path, some things that God had been teaching me. I had been reading through the book of Psalms at the beginning of the year, just wanting to take it psalm by psalm. And really what got me interested in this topic and this idea of the soul was how many times David references it throughout Scripture. How many times David references it in light of maybe his trials or his difficulties. And so I wanted to study and learn more about it. Well, I, this was originally supposed to be our spring series, but as you know, the world died in the spring, okay, or whatever. I don't know what really happened, but the world changed in the spring. And if nothing else, here's what it allowed me to do. One, it allowed me more time to study it and to, I believe, make it something that is very personal and real to me. Someone once, someone once said that nothing becomes dynamic until it becomes specific and nothing becomes real until it becomes personal. This is something that God is teaching me. And I try as hard as I can not to stand up here and tell you something that you should do without me knowing it and teaching it and trying to live it myself. And that could not be more true of a series. This has become intensely personal, but I also believe with all my heart that it has become intensely applicable, and here's why. The symptoms of our society are not symptoms that can be cured with a new political system. The symptoms of our society are not symptoms that can be cured with maybe some change in our world or some change in our relationships or some change in our structure. The symptoms of our society, and I want you to listen to this because this is the foundation of the series. The symptoms of our society and the symptoms of things that are difficult and problems in your life are symptoms of the soul. And if you do not care for your soul or know the state of it, I can promise you that not only will those problems continue, not only will you look for maybe a diagnosis elsewhere, but you will fail to see how the Christian life changes you from the inside out. And so with that in mind, I want you to take your Bibles, look at Genesis chapter number 2. Genesis chapter number 2. This is going to be... a um, a lot of information um, for this introductory lesson, but there will be more practical things um, as we go along. And so this is purely introduction. Um, Genesis chapter number 2, verse number 7. The Bible says this, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed it into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living Soul. Can you read that last phrase after that semicolon after, uh, out loud with me? Ready, begin. And man became a living soul. The breath of God made man a living soul. I don't know that I've ever taught something that I feel this passionate about. 
a lot of what I'm going to tell you, I'm not telling you because it's going to be easy to hear. A lot of what we will talk about is not me telling it to you so that you can have this list of facts in your mind. What we are about to do over the next several weeks is literally what I believe after a lot of time and a lot of study and a lot of prayer is what makes the Christian life so important. Is what makes it literally the best thing that you can experience on this earth. And if it's not that, then here's the alternative. Let's stop. If it is not what we say that it is, then why waste a Sunday? Why give 10%? Why serve? Why try to help others? But if it is as good as what we say that it is, shouldn't we be the ones that are experiencing it? Shouldn't we be the ones that are the greatest commercials and advertisements for how life-changing the Christian life truly is? And so I believe that for some of you, if you will listen and you will allow the Holy Spirit to work in your heart, that this series could literally make the Christian life that you have maybe practiced in theory, it could bring it to life. It will teach you how to deal with sin. It will teach you how to deal with struggles. It will show you why the Word of God and all of the other things that we talk about in Christianity are so important because it is a matter of the soul. And it could very well be that this is the thing that helps you change from the inside out. Not because Joel Norris is saying it. Don't get me confused. I am not going to, like I even said, touch the surface of what this means in your Christian life. But I can promise you this that this is going to be taught from the Word of God. It's not some man-made philosophy. It's not something that I conjured up on myself. It is something that I believe is truly how the Christian life begins to change you. And so with that in mind, let's pray. Let's ask God to help us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to look into your word. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to use my time wisely. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to uh, speak clearly, speak biblically, and speak spiritually. And Lord, I pray that as we walk out of this room, that we would establish our thought of what the soul actually is and then why it matters. Lord, I pray that you would help me. Lord, I know that this is something that I have looked forward to. And Lord, that there are going to be moments to where it seems like we are doing way too deep of a dive. But Lord, I pray that you would help me to piece together exactly what you would have in the time that you've given us today. Lord, I pray that you would help us to open our hearts, open our minds. But Lord, most of all, open our souls to what you have for us in this life. Lord, I believe so wholeheartedly in this thing that we call Christianity. Yet it seems like many times it almost fails us, and not so much that it fails us, but we fail it when we don't realize what it can do. Lord, I know that these young adults are faced with so many pressures. Lord, that they have many burdens. And Lord, if they don't have that right now, they will have it in the future. And if we do not care for our souls right now, I do not believe that we will be ready for what you have for us in the future. And so, Lord, my, may, by the end of this series, may we truly be able to say, like the song that we just sang, that it is well with my soul. Help us today as we look into your word. Help us today as we look in these thoughts. In your name we pray. Amen. Lesson number one is where we're going to start, obviously, because that's the first number, okay? You don't start with lesson zero, okay? Lesson one, what is the soul and why does it matter? 
What is the soul and why does it matter? So that's a pretty heavy question for 10.28 in the morning on a Sunday morning on a weekend when I probably stayed up late. That's a heavy question. What is the soul and why does it matter? Especially why does it matter to me as a young adult in 2020? This is a deep and probing question, but before we look at it, let's think about the word soul for just a second, okay? Let's think about the word soul. Think about the many contexts that you have heard it in. First of all, think about this, that a soul is not something that is often recognized by science or health communities. In fact, there are several scientists and health communities out there that want to try to get away from the soul. And let me just give you a, a little philosophy on that, that by ex pushing away the thought process and the existence of the soul, we are pushing away the existence of God. Because if there is no soul, there is no way that God breathed into man a living soul. So it's often rejected by some people that say that there is no soul. Obviously, there's, uh, there was um, a one doctor that I actually just read about the other day that he wanted to see if the soul was actually a part of people. And so when people died, he would take their weight at the beginning of, or when they begun the, began the death process, and then he would weigh them afterwards. Pretty morbid, right? But he would weigh them afterwards, and he actually found that there was a loss of 21 grams in their bodies, meaning that what he said, the weight of a soul is 21 grams. And so even if it is rejected by medical fields, even if it is rejected by sometimes science, there is a soul, and we know that because of Scripture. So it's sometimes rejected by science, but it is also sometimes rejected in most other in many other places. Your workplace will often encourage your physical state. There's places of work that will give you money to go and join a gym, or they'll give you some a Fitbit to prove to you that you can be healthy and that you can gauge how many steps you're taking, and they'll focus on your physical uh, uh, health. They'll focus on your emotional health. They'll focus on your mental health, and they will even sometimes focus on your spiritual health, but very few of them will ever ask you the question, well, how's your health of your soul? So the workplace, sometimes even in Christianity, in churches, we are guilty of saying, well, let's, let, let's make sure that your soul is saved and that your soul knows its eternal destiny. And then after we talk about that, we really don't talk about it much more after that. We say, well, let's make sure that your soul is saved, and then we never refer to it anymore, meaning that we've focused on your soul's eternal destiny, but not only, on, but also on its earthly reality. You have people that will ask you how you're doing. If you go to a physician, they'll say, how's your health? If you go to a financial um, consultant, he'll say, how's your financial health? Many people will ask you, how are you doing? How's your health? How's your financial health? How's your mental state? But very few people walk up to you and say, well, how's your soul? We've tried so hard to erase this idea of the soul, but yet, let me show you this as well, it has stuck around through a lot of different ways. Y'all help me with this one. What's the name of the little refrigerator-shaped uh, Kia vehicle? Kia Soul, okay? Probably not the greatest definition of it, but Kia Soul, okay? Someone talked to me about SOS. What, it's most, what is it most commonly used for? Save our... Souls, which by the way is actually taken from the book of Acts if you study it historically. Save our souls, okay? We talk about soul food. We talk about soul music. We talk about reviews of maybe books or movies or whatever that are moving to the soul. There's been whole musicals and movies and books and people, things that have been written about in fiction that talk about how someone sells their soul. 
So let me ask you this. If it is such a common word in our day to, in some of our language and some of our day-to-day language, why is it not something that we would focus on more intentionally? If we think that it is important enough to be ingrained into the very fiber of our language, yet we talk about every other aspect of it and never focus on the soul, then what are we actually doing? So let me ask you this. How could something that gets so little attention in most of our day-to-day world be so important? Could it be that the lack of focus on our souls, with Christians included, is one of the greatest contributors to the symptoms of our society today. That we have mistaken naming a car the word soul rather than focusing on what it means for our lives. That we have literally added it to save our souls. That when we want to be rescued, yet we never have a soul check. That we have included it in reviews of how moving a book is, and yet we never evaluate it. That we will talk about it in maybe entertainment, or we'll talk about it in other realms. When, we, when someone asks us something, or someone shows us something surprising, what do we say? Oh my soul. And yet we never take the time to say, well, what does that actually mean, and how can it change me? We rest, yet we remain tired. Has anybody been there? You take a nap and you wake up from it and it's like, oh, I'm tired. Someone asks you, how are you doing? I'm busy. We hurry, yet we never get it all done. We tell ourselves to slow down, yet we try to keep up. We read God's Word, attend church, and pray, yet we feel disconnected from God. We say we trust God, yet we stress and worry. We say we have hope, yet we experience depression. We invest in a cause worth living for, yet very rarely find it to be fulfilling. These problems and so many more are not solved by a focus on new habits or new routines, but it is solved by focusing on the soul. So let me give you a couple of biblical things to show you the importance of this. Why in the world is this this important? And let me just say that before I ever, ever looked at this, I already had this thought for the series, and this just only proved what, I was going to, what we were going to talk about. The passage we just read is the first mention of the word soul in your King James Version of the Bible. It describes how God made mankind a living soul. Following this first mention of the soul, I want you to listen to this. It is used 459 times in 432 verses. If you include the plural form of it, it brings the total to 537 times. So in your Bible, 537 times the word soul or souls is used. Do you think it might be important? That's more than really any other topic that you can learn about in Scripture. That's more than almost any other word that you can learn about in Scripture. The Hebrew word nefesh is used 753 times in just the Old Testament. 753 times the the Hebrew word nefesh, which is your word for soul in this verse, is used in the Old Testament. Other times it's translated life, it's translated body, it's translated mind, it's translated heart, but it is used 753 times, most of them being the word soul by a large majority. The Greek word sukha, is used 105 times in the New Testament, which brings our total to 858 times is either the word nefesh or sukkah used in Scripture. 
Now it's translated in a couple different ways, but God has thought it important that we focus on the soul, and here's why. I want you to listen to this, and then we'll move to the points. God breathed his breath into mankind to make us living souls. We just read it. There is only one other thing that God has ever breathed into to make it living, and that was his word. So lest you think your soul does not matter, there are two things that the very breath of God has been placed into, and that is you as a human being and into your soul and the Word of God. So I want you to listen to this statement. If the soul was important enough for God to create, it was important enough for Him to save through Jesus Christ. And if it was important enough for God to create and to save, it is important enough for you to know whether yours is well or not. That sends cold chills down my back when I think about it. That if God took the time to create the soul of man and took the penalty of death to make sure that your soul has an eternal home in heaven, then don't you think that it is worth you putting a little bit of emphasis on to make sure that it is well with your soul? So with that in mind, let's look at this thought of what is the soul and why does it matter? First of all, let's notice this, what your soul is not. What your soul is not. Sometimes it is just as important to understand what something is not as it is to understand what it is. So let's go ahead and let's take away the misconceptions of what your soul is not. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to Hebrews chapter number 4, verse 12. Sometimes as Christians we are guilty of using words interchangeably, and that's not always accurate. Okay? If it doesn't cause confusion, it at the least does not really make a distinction, okay? I'm not going to stand up here and say that it's wrong. I'm just going to say that it does not always give a distinction. So first of all, I want you to notice that your soul is not your body. Your soul is not your body. Hebrews chapter number 4, verse 12. This is a popular verse. It says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of... What's the next three words? Soul and spirit. Soul and spirit. So you've already got a distinction there. And of the joints and marrow. What are joints and marrow? Do you have joints in your spirit? No. Do you have joints in your mind? No. Do you have joints and marrow in your body? Yes. So now we've got another distinction. So we have soul and spirit, but we also have body and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So now we have another distinction. 1 Thessalonians chapter number 5, verse 23. You've got it there in your notes uh, as a reference, but I'll read it to you. He says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So your soul is not your body, although your soul does influence your body. Your soul is not your body, but your soul does influence your body. Secondly, your soul is not your mind. I want you to see this. We said that the New Testament word in Greek, suka is your word for soul, okay? The word suka is our modern day word psyche. How many of you know that psychology, if you look up the definition anywhere, 
says the study of the mind and behavior. Did you know that psychology, by simple word definition, is not the study of the mind, it is the study of the soul? Meaning that the soul influences the behaviors of the body and of the mind. You can have a stable mind and have a horrible soul. So your body or your soul is not your mind, but then lastly, your soul is not your spirit. And this is the ones that sometimes Christians are guilty of using. We like to interchange spirit and soul. I almost see spirit as your will. It is what you want to do. It is what you choose to do. Your, your soul is not your spirit. It is not your will. Now listen to this. Your spirit even in Scripture, is distinct, not just in these verses. There's actually another word for spirit that is used in, in your Hebrew Old Testament and your Greek New Testament. It's the word pneuma. Okay? So there's a distinction. There's the Spirit of God, but there's also the spirit or will of man. When we say something about maybe a horse, or sometimes you say something about a child who's rebellious, you want to break their what? Spirit or their will. You want to break their spirit or their will. You want to break them so that why? You can begin to show them what's right. You can begin to say, okay, this is not what you should be doing. So your soul is not your body, although it influences it. Your soul is not your mind, although your soul influences your mind. Your soul is not your spirit, although it influences it, which leads us to this thought of not only what is the soul not, but what is the soul, okay? So if we know what it's not, then let's see what it is. If I can give you the bare minimum definition, it is this. Your soul is who you are. It is the all-encompassing driver of your body, your mind, and your spirit. Which means this, if you could take your paper, or you could take your body, or you could take your life, and you could make it into four circles, here's what you would have. You would have your spirit or your will in the middle, okay? That's what we probably struggle with the most. Then you would have your mind as the next circle. Then you would have your body as the next circle. But what would encompass all of them would be your soul. Which means this. Let me prove this to you. You probably have things that are etched into you that dictate how you live today. They say people who have had traumatic car accidents, they struggle when they get in behind a wheel. If you've had someone and you've watched someone die in a car accident, that's probably going to dictate how you drive behind a vehicle, isn't it? That's going to change your body. There's some of you that you've experienced something that maybe it, was, it is etched into your mind, and so now it dictates what you think about. That's something that your soul is telling you. This is what you think about. Remember when mom said this? Remember when dad said this? Remember when you struggled with this? Well, you'll never get past that. Now your soul is dictating your mind. But some of you, you'll even struggle at a deeper level with your will. Well, if you can't do that, then you can't do this. Remember when you failed at that? Now your soul is dictating what you're willing to take on and what you're not willing to take on. So the soul is the driver of your body, your mind, and your spirit, which leads us to this last thought, and we'll be done. Why does your soul matter, or why your soul matters? Take your Bibles and look at Mark chapter number 8. Look at Mark chapter number 8. 
This is Jesus speaking, and he says, And when he had called the people unto him with his disciples also, he said unto them, Whosoever will come after me. He's talking about discipleship. He's talking about following him. Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life shall save it. For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his his own soul, and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? So why does your soul matter? First of all, your soul matters because it was created by God. Your soul matters because it was created by God. Do you think that God wouldn't, would have just let us walk as bodies and maybe as minds and maybe with a free will or a free spirit and it wouldn't have mattered as much if we wouldn't have had a soul? He could have done it. But God chose to breathe His breath and make you a living soul. Your soul matters because it was created by God. Your soul matters because it will spend eternity somewhere in either heaven or hell but then lastly, your soul matters because you can lose it to this world. He says this in Mark chapter number 8, For what shall a man give in exchange for his own soul? For what if he profits the whole world? What if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? So let me close with two illustrations and we'll be done. Okay? I really want you to listen to these two thoughts. Why does my soul matter? There's a story that's told of a village that had a mountain stream that ran down the mountain that came to the village. That village received their water from it. That stream was the place to where it attracted the animal life. That stream was the place where children could run and play. That stream was really the life of that whole village and that whole community. Unbeknownst to them, many of the people in the village, there was someone that lived in the mountains that was on the payroll of that village that was in charge of keeping the stream. Their goal was to keep it pure, was to keep it clean, was to keep things out of it. So as the village began to grow and as it began to attract people, obviously like the way most things do, go, the money was distributed elsewhere and so the keeper of the stream was no longer qualified or paid to keep it up. Several months went by and the stream began to get murky. The stream began to show disease. The, the, the stream began to run off the animals that, had once, that it had once attracted. Now all of a sudden, the life of that village was not kept up, causing it to become sick, causing it to become hurt, causing it to have struggles. Your soul is the stream, and you and God are the keepers of it. But here's the sad thing, is that while some of you will wake up and you'll run and you'll prepare yourself physically, you'll never become strong in your soul. While some of you, you know how to maybe control your mind to make sure that you just don't let your mind go onto hurtful things, or you make sure you don't let your mind go there, don't, don't go back to that spot. You can still have great mind control and mind stability and mental stability and still have a horrible soul. You can even assert yourself over your own will. You can control the spirit. Well, I'm going to make sure the path of my life is different. And you can do all those things and never have a healthy soul. You say, prove it to me. 
song we sang at the beginning of the, of the class, Is It Well With My Soul? Horatio Spafford was a businessman in Chicago. Right before the Chicago fire, he invested all of his finances and all of his business in real estate, only to watch it burn up in the fire. He took his wife and his, and his daughters and he put them on a ship to send them to England. Many of you have probably heard this story, but let me apply it to what we're talking about right now. Sent his wife and his children overseas. He received word by way of telegram from his wife that said, Saved and saved alone, what shall I do? Horatio Spafford boarded the ship, got on it, headed to England. And many believe over the very death site of his daughters, where his wife was the one who survived, he penned the words that you just sang out loud many years later. That when peace like a river, whatever my lot, I can say it is well with my soul. So let me show you why this matters. That there will be moments where you will fail physically, but you can still have a strong soul. There will be moments where your mind is gone and it is flooded with thoughts and pressures and stresses of this world and you can still have a strong soul. There will be moments where you feel like you can't even make a good choice to where your spirit is broken, to where your will is broken, and yet in the midst of all of that, you can still have a strong and healthy soul. And I believe that the reason the, the world is in the shape that it is in is not because we need some new changes, not because we need some new habit, although that would be a band-aid. But the reason that we are in the shape that we are in as a country and sometimes even as Christians is because we have yet to care for our souls. We won't find joy because we don't do the work to find joy. We can't say, is it well with my soul? Because we won't do the work of actually focusing on the soul. Soul work is hard work. Soul work is deep work. And for most of us, we run from that. Well, don't, don't get in touch with my inner life. Don't get, in touch with, don't get in touch with who I really am. That's not what this is about. This is about God showing you, hey, there's a problem here. Let's fix it. Let me help you with that. Let me help you overcome those doubts. Let me help you overcome that anxiety. Let me help you overcome that. That is what God wants to do with your soul. And for many of us, we ride this constant wave of joy and grief and happiness and sadness all because we have not learned to care for our souls. And when you answer this question, is it well with my soul? Most of us would have to say no. Most of us would have to say, I have my good days and I have my bad days. But we can honestly say through Christ and through God that my soul matters, that God wants to change it, and that I can be like a person that many years ago experienced financial loss, experienced family loss, experienced grief in a very real way, and yet in the midst of it, wrote a song that you and I sing and that you and I ask a question about of, is it well with my soul? That's the goal of this series. 
So let's take what our soul is, let's see why it matters, and then let's begin the deep, hard work of changing it through God. Dear Heavenly Father, Thanks for listening. If this lesson is helpful to you, feel free to share it with someone else or let us know by emailing us at crosspoint at franklinroad.org. You can also check us out at frbc underscore crosspoint on Instagram and Twitter. We look forward to connecting with you again soon.